Mastermind Agent is proud to present success calls. Top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent, and welcome to Success Calls. This month's top agent is Tina Call with EXP Realty in Cary, North Carolina. Welcome to the call, Tina. Thanks for having me, Mike. I'm excited to be here. Hey, Tina. It's great to have you here. Thank you so much for joining us. Real excited to talk to you. So let's go ahead and jump in. My first question for you, talk about what you're doing today. So I'd like to go back for a minute and talk about what you did before you got into real estate. Well, I was 22, Mike, so I was really young. Um, I was actually in school trying to figure out what I wanted to do in life. And um, thank God, um, I had met my husband when he was 16, or when we were 16. We had bought our first house at 19. We sold it, and I met my first real estate agent superstar, Jill Bomarito, and she recruited me into the business. So that's how I kind of derailed my college education into real estate. <laughs> wow. Okay. So did you, did you get derailed into real estate early at 19 before you got your license or when you were 22? You know, my parents always bought and flipped homes. So it was kind of like a thing. They weren't licensed agents, but they loved to fix up property. So I was exposed to real estate. Um, my parents are both um, serial entrepreneurs as well. So I had that you know, it's okay to try something new and fail kind of gene. And so it was a very natural transition for me to go, you know what, I'm, I wanted to be a therapist, but I'm, I'm not loving this whole therapy thing. And, and the money's not that great, to be honest. And so if I sold real estate, uh, maybe I'd make more money and I'll kind of, you know, I, I know how to flip homes. So that was the, the, the message in my own brain. But I didn't realize that I was going to be a high paid therapist. <laughs> when you say therapist, what, what was your training? What were you going to become a therapist in or had you started down that path? Yeah, so I loved um, just anything, you know, divorce counseling. I loved counseling people. Um, I, I looked into um, the foster care network, like how the social workers, um, you know, helped kids and helped families. So everything was about psychology, social work, therapy um, in that way of the mind and the human nature. So it was just, it was just natural for me to want to fix things in people. Yeah, I've been a lot of people in that industry over the years. Uh, they love the work. They love helping people, but it doesn't pay well. And it sounds like that was one of the, the reasons that you went the direction you went when this real estate opportunity came in front of you. Yeah. So Kevin and I bought our first home at 19. My mother found it for us. It was a townhouse and we put in all of our money and then we were broke and we were in school and, and we literally needed the money. And I said, well, let me just go work a little bit in real estate, see if I can make a go of it. And then I can continue, you know, with my path and in my profession, supposedly. But when I realized that my first year in real estate, I made $80,000, you know, back in 2001, it was, it was good money for a 22 year old. So I was like, Hmm, this is my new passion. And I felt like I was still helping people. And so it was kind of just a natural fit. Um, and I love interior design as well. I love to decorate. And so it was just all, it was just very fitting. So I finally found my, my calling. It all came together. So yeah. when you got started, did you, does that, it sounds like you might've started part-time. Did you start part-time and did you start on a team or independently? Yeah. So back 20 years ago, Mike, um, there weren't that many teams, you know, it wasn't a thing. So you just 
jumped right in. Um, I started full-time. I actually was um, a part-time nanny, and then I, I started real estate full-time. So I could nanny, and then I could run around, you know, doing transactions. And I had, um, it was funny because I just, I started by knocking on the doors of for sale by owners and leaving them a package of information about me and the neighborhood statistics. And I remember I, I, I targeted six for sale by owners in my community, and I probably dropped off four or five different packages on each house every, every week. And finally, I would call them and I would say, hey, this is Tina Call, you know, I'm the local real estate agent, and I'm the one that's been dropping off those, those packages. And I would get such a great response. Well, thank you for doing that. And that was so nice of you. And, you know, how is it going? And again, I just was trying to talk to people and help them. And I remember one of the families said, come out here and maybe, you know, look at it. We're thinking of listing. And so, of course, I called Jill Bomarito, like, you need to come with me on this one. And, you know, she came and I watched her really list the property. And from there, I was like, okay, I think I got this. Nice. So the, the packet that you were dropping off at Fizbo's doors, what was inside that packet? Yeah. So, um, so originally it was a little sheet about me, you know, again, this was 20 years ago. And, um, and then it was about our company. Cause of course I didn't have stats and then it was just neighborhood stats. You know, what had recently sold, uh, what was listed for sale? Um, what was the community averages, just any kind of stat I could find, I put in there. And then every week I would show them the properties that were selling. It wasn't theirs, but it, they were properties were selling. Um, and then I'd give them a little sprinkle about um, if I saw something on the exterior of their home, I'd write a little note. Hey, you know, might be a good idea to trim those hedges so you can see the windows or, you know, maybe paint the front door. I was there dropping off the, so just kind of helping them really coming from contribution and not expecting anything. And then really, I got rewarded for uh, coming from contribution. So you were able to list one out of six, it sounds like. So statistically, you're doing pretty good, about 17%. Oh, two. I, two of those first six, I listed two, and I'll never forget them. So um, yeah, I listed two homes. And actually, that first listing was the Clausens. They ended up moving out of Michigan, because that's where I started. They moved down to North Carolina. And I actually, uh, still to this day, help them, help them find a realtor there in Virginia. I'm sorry, in, they moved to Virginia. And I still stayed in contact with them 20 years later, my first listing ever. <laughs> That's great. That shows that you're building relationships right off the bat. First, a quick word from our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. So you started up in Michigan. You're now in North Carolina. We'll talk about that transition a little bit later. Uh, but I, I want to focus in a little bit more on this first year. You said yeah. that you, you earned about 80000 in commissions to yourself. Do you remember yeah. how many closings that was? God, you know, people ask me that all the time, and I just don't remember. All I know was it was $80,000, and I went, God, this is a lot of money. And my husband was so excited, you know. I mean, we were kids, and all of our friends were in school, and here we were. You know, he was making, I think, 40 at the time. I had made 80, and... Um, it was just, it was life changing, you know, because in my mind, I've always wanted to make a hundred thousand. And so that was it. You made it in my family when you earned a hundred because we were poor, you know, we were not rich at all. And so I just thought this is it. And if I can just help people find houses and list their homes and help them decorate, I mean, I, it was a, it was a passion. So, um, 
So from there, I, I never got into expireds the first seven years I was at that um, brokerage. I just did fair sale by owners, and then I helped my friends um, and their families and networked a lot with, um, I'm Greek and Italian, Mike, so we have a lot of, you know, we have big networks. And so, gotcha. um, yeah, so my dad always, you know, he put the, the feelers out there. Everybody kind of came together in my family to help me get the word out. Um, and for whatever reason, people did take a risk on me, right? I mean, they just felt um, I had had enough initial success to where they trusted me. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think about it, 80,000 up in that area at that time. I bet that was somewhere around 20 closings a year to help people yeah. get a perspective of what that means in their market. Yeah, it um, was, I remember like my best year before I left and moved, um, it was probably about 45 transactions for the, I call it the first phase of my career. And then there was a second phase, like after coaching. So, so BC <laughs> before coaching and then AC after coaching. So you got up to 40 closings in a year without any coaching. Yes. I just, I, well, I was coached by the people at the firm, right? So my mentors were whoever would just give me the time of day. Um, my broker in charge. Um, I remember uh, Pete Schuler, an amazing man up there, Tom Booz. These guys just really kind of helped. I mean, they were just awesome. So I learned everything I could from the people at the brokerage at the time who were amazing, but I don't know that they had a choice. I'm just naturally inquisitive. And so I would just burst into their office and ask, what are you doing? How do you do that? You know, I was, I was a sponge at that time. And, um, and really I'm grateful for just how open they were. Yeah, you had an advantage. You had people around you that were willing to help and you were willing to ask for that help. You mentioned your very first listing, another agent, your broker came in and actually performed the listing presentation and you got to watch. Yeah. What a great knowledge uh, uh, situation. Most people don't have that or aren't willing to ask. So it's, I assume you continued to do that throughout your career. I, Mike, I've called, I've picked up the phone and called top producers my whole life, you know, just in, and it's funny because now that I'm here in that position, you know, considered a top producer, you would be shocked at how many people don't reach out. And now I have the time before, you know, and they just don't. And, and the ones that do, I had a girl call me yesterday from Canada. I saw you on YouTube and I helped this girl for an hour and a half. And she said, this, this is going to change my life. And I thought that, that really helped me in the early stages um, but yeah, and the funny thing was when I did call, they actually talked to me and they were so excited to give back. Um, you know, I wasn't, they weren't gaining anything off of me. And so, so anyway, that's how I feel. You, if you come from contribution, pay it forward, it rewards you. Absolutely. Successful people love to help people that want to be successful, right? There's yeah. really not that many of them that want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Um, well, this is great, Tina. I want to I move forward a little bit. Now, you mentioned there was before coaching, after coaching, got up to 45 closings in a year. How long did it take you to hit the 45 mark? So I would say seven years. You know, it was seven years in my brokerage. So the story is, Mike, um, what happened to me was 2006 hit. So I was making roughly 100 and uh, in my peak, about 150000 a year. Um, and again, I thought I had made it. I was the cat's meow. Um, but what happened in 2006 in Michigan is the, you know, the market started to tank. I know 08 was the bad market, but we had felt it for two years. My income went from 150000 to forty, And I was actually leaving the real estate business. And I said to my husband, I'm like, I'm not going to work and do this job for 40000 I think I'm going to go into decorating. 
I took out an ad in the yellow pages at the time, um, all in a day design. And I was going to go into my other passion, which was decorating. And I got two customers, Mike, and they both paid me 50 bucks an hour. And I was leaving the business. And as I was cleaning out my desk at Sign and Monahan, uh, GMAC Real Estate, I saw this flyer that said, earn a million dollars in real estate by hiring this specific coaching company. And I went, huh, okay, I think I'm going to look at this. Well, of course, I tell my husband, he's like, we can't afford a thousand a month. You're leaving the business. And I said, well, honey, you know, so he kind of crushed my dreams. I crumpled up the paper. I threw it away. And I would pray every night, like, dear God, if I'm supposed to stay in real estate, give me a sign. And so I was at my office the next day cleaning out. And I got an email and it said, um, join us at the Action Workshop in Plymouth. That was the same coaching company. And I thought, well, what the heck? Let me go. I took my broker and five other agents. I said, come on, we're all struggling. Let's just go. What do we have to lose? And so we ride out to Plymouth and we sit in this you know, uh, room with maybe about 100 agents and the presenters are telling us about coaching. You know, Everybody has a coach. If you're a famous you know, football player, you've got a coach. And there were three agents that stood up in front of the room, which I'm friends with today. And you probably know Jeff Glover and uh, Michelle Sayward, Bellino by they were up saying, well, I make 500,000 and my income's going up. And, and I'm like, how are these guys doing it? And so I ran into Bellino Bide in the, in the bathroom. I don't know if you've ever talked to her, but she's a great producer in our gross point, uh, Michigan market. She was earning about roughly at the time, probably almost a million dollars. And she said, kid, if you want to be successful, you need to hire a coach. You need to surround yourself with big thinking people and you need to read a lot of books on business. Now, Mike, I was a C student in high school. I didn't like books and I didn't like education, but I knew I wasn't the smartest kid in the class, but I knew how to sit next to them. And that was where I kind of went, she's right. And so I immediately signed up for coaching that day. I pulled out my credit card and said, thousand a month, I'm doing it. I didn't ask my husband who he was very mad at me when I came home, but my income went, I remember from 40,000 back to a hundred and then to 150,000, just in a matter of a year and a half. So coaching really showed me that I could build a duplicatable system, you know, in my business, I could call expireds, I could call FISBOs again, because I stopped calling them. Why? Because they're painful, but you stop doing what works in the beginning when you're grinding. And so after that, I actually sat with my coach, Kathy Anderson. She said, what are your big dreams, your hairy, audacious goals? I said, well, Kathy, my husband and I always dreamed of leaving Michigan because we live in a town where the wind hurts our face. And that's not nice. It's not fair. And she said, where would you go? I said, I don't know, Virginia, uh, Florida, or North Carolina. She said, have you ever explored it? I said, no. She said, okay, when are you going? And so she gave me a date on the calendar. And our job was to go explore each town that we thought we would move to. So we Googled bestplacestolive.com. And it kept coming up, Cary, North Carolina. So we went and visited uh, Virginia. We didn't, we, we liked it, but it just didn't, didn't feel right. We went and visited um, Tampa, Florida, was not our jam. And when we pulled, when we flew into North Carolina and we landed in Raleigh, um, we were driving down the road and I said to my husband, this, this is it, this feels like home. And not, um, 10 months later, we were here. My husband left his job at the auto dealership. He got his license in Michigan. He listed about 10 properties in Michigan to, to learn. And we just took our 100000 to our name. That's all we had, which is still a lot at the time. But still, we had $100,000, a four-year-old son. We rented a house here and never looked back in a new town. Wow. Uh, that is fantastic. And how long have you now been in North Carolina? Um, it has been... Um, 
our first day was uh, September, you know, 10th of 2009. So what is that? 11 years. 2009. Very good. Now, I, before we move into phase two, I want to go back real quick. Uh, yeah. Who was the coach, the coaching program? What were you talking about there? Oh, it was um, the Mike Ferry organization. Right. Yeah, they're, they're awesome. Yeah. So I had, are you still coaching with the, the Mike Ferry organization? You know, I'm not. I, I did 12 long years, right? And, and um, at some point, and I tell all my agents this, coaching, coaching it wasn't so much the, the accountability weekly that made me successful. It was the expansion of my brain that I, I flew across the nation and sat in a room of 4,000 agents. And the agents at the front, I remember Mike Ferry saying to me, in the ba- I'm in the back row, right? Just new going, oh my God, this is the first time I've traveled by myself. Um, I'm, you know, at that time I was 28 years old, a new mom and I'm in the back and he said, Hey agents, you see these, these people up front in the suits, they make millions of dollars, millions. And here I'm like trying to crack 80, 90, hundred grand. And, um, and he said, if you want to be like them, you better be in the front row next time. You better get coaching and you better listen to your coach. And so I remember, um, buying an upfront seat right after that. And I said, I want to be with those people. I don't want to be with these guys in the back in their Hawaiian shirts. I want to be up there because I was in my, you know, nice outfit. And so it was collectively the mastermind groups that I started to insert myself into. That's where I picked up the nuggets. That's where the true training was, boots on the ground, the cold calling training every Every day I had five, you know, every week I had five different role play partners. That's where I learned and I practiced. The coach was there to keep me accountable to keep doing that. So that's why I tell people when they go, can you coach me? Well, what are you looking for to learn skills or to have accountability? Because I can give you accountability, but you've got to go earn the skills. You've got to learn. So that was what I immersed myself in a culture of growth minded individuals. And that was a game changer. Wow surrounded yourself with success and you became successful. We're going to talk yeah. about your stats in a second, yeah. uh, but I want to keep on your journey here. So we went into phase two now. You're in North Carolina. Yeah. Uh, you've got coaching. You're starting to, for, let's talk about that transition to the new market. How did you yeah. establish yourself in a new market where you knew no one? Yeah. So um, great question. You know, people think, oh God, it must've been you know, hard. And it was hard. The hardest part was, Mike, to take the seven years of being an agent in Michigan, dissolving all that knowledge and going, okay, I got to start over. I didn't know how to get out of my neighborhood without a GPS on. How the heck am I supposed to sell a house around here? So I'm telling you, I had a mental breakdown. I think my husband was the one making the cold calls because I felt out of place. Um, People down here have a little bit of an accent, you know, so when you pick up the phone and they're talking with an accent and I'm like, what did they say? You know, so (laughs) I just didn't feel in my element. And I'm telling you for six months, I struggled mentally. And finally I had this shift because my coach said to me, she goes, you better put your crown back on. You are a great agent. You are helping people. And if you don't help these people, shame on you because they're missing out on, on you. And so she said, put your crown back on, dig deep and get on the phones and do this. And I thought she's right. You know, I just have to get out of my head because I thought, what if they asked me how many homes I sold? What if they asked me how long I've lived in the area? And my fears, Mike, were allowing me to manifest those questions. And they would ask me and I, I didn't have great answers, so I wouldn't get the listings. And so finally, it took about six months for me to put my, my tiara back on and uh, get phones and bring my confidence 
and really focus on the customer. And nobody start, started asking that question. They stopped asking. And then I would just use my stats from Michigan, you know, and I would say it confidently. I've sold 40 homes in the past, you know, however many months. Or this is a tip I give to my new agents. If you sold eight homes, you sold two times the national average, right? Because the national average is four. So it's like you can really fluff things a little bit if you want to give yourself the confidence. It's not really the consumer, it's us. We need the confidence, then the consumer believes us. So if you believe your own story and your goal and, and your dreams, um, they will believe you too. Absolutely, good points all. Uh, hmm. So you gotta put your crown back on. I thought that was pretty crown back strong, on. right? You gotta have, be confident. Yeah. So, so when I did put the crown back on, um, we sold one home in the first six months. And so we were like, what did we do? This is awful. Um, and then in the second six month period, Mike, we sold 35. Hmm. So there was a shift. There was a mental shift that I kind of just said, well, and the other mental shift was my husband coming into my office saying, hi, we're, gonna, we're down to like 30 grand. So we need to sell home <laughs> or we're going back to Michigan because we were still receiving some referrals from past clients. So I had a little bit of money, but um, that was it. It was, it was back against the wall. You have to do it. There was no comfort. There was no spouse making hundreds of thousands where I went, oh, I don't really like cold calling. Well, it doesn't matter because you have to. And so I studied the top agents in our market at the time. Marty Hampton's one of them. She was the top Remax agent in the world. And I realized they have been in the business 20, 30 years. I can't duplicate their database. I can't duplicate time. I can, I can get in front of people that already raised their hand. I can be better than the competition at my game, my skill, and I can get in front of them and solve their problems. And so expireds and FISBOs were probably 70% of my business, 80% in the first year, you know, because of course, if I listed a home, I got a sign call. Well, now I'm building, right? But 80% of the business was FISBO and expired, just listed, just sold. Um, my first appointment ever was a just listed call. And the lady said, I'll, you know, come over and, and take a look at my home. And I said, okay, this stuff works. This is awesome. So. Fantastic. So that was going to be my question, how you established yourself in the new market. You went with the prospecting, uh, yeah. probably the scripts you learned from the, the Mike Ferry organization, just yeah. listed, just sold for sell by owners yeah. and expires and built that up and it clicked. Now, my understanding is that you grew uh, to a substantial level as a, a solo or a single agent. Mm -hmm. How many homes did you sell by yourself before you brought in any other agents? So kind of before you go to the other agent part, yeah. How many was just you? I know you got up to a pretty big number. Yeah. I mean, at the time, um, I had grown from, you know, 35. Actually, my husband and I were partners and he got out of the selling side because he said, why would I bring in me when we could send you? Like, you're better at this than me. So he kind of was my assistant, which I do not recommend for any married couple. Um until we hired one. So I got from like 35 transactions, then we exploded. It was like 60, you know, 100 and 130 in my fourth year. That was it. The, the wheels fell off at that time. But when you think about it, 10 deals a month, when you're listing five or six properties a month and the other three, four, five are buyers, it really wasn't that hard to manage. It was just hard to figure out the systems that worked. And my coach used to tell me if, you know, because I, I never believed her. I said, Kathy, I'm so exhausted at 50 deals. She said, when you get to 100, I promise you it'll be easier. And I went, how could that be? Well, because I can hire leverage. 
right? I can, I can have everybody do all the other things I, I hate doing and I can spend my time building the business by adding in new customers, service um, by negotiating contracts. And then, you know, obviously, um, yeah, just basically I, I, I prospected, I went on appointments, I negotiated and, and that was it. That's what I did all day. So um, yeah, so that's wow. 130 oh. deals in the fourth, fourth year, maybe, maybe it was year five, but I think it was the fourth year because by year five, I was hiring a team. I was building the team. So you got up to 130 closings by yourself as the single agent who was working with all the buyers and the sellers. Yes. It sounds like you had your husband in the admin role. He was helping with the paperwork. So yep. you have one admin assistant. Was yep. that it when you hit? I'm curious about this 130. So when you hit the 130, it was just you and one admin, correct? Admin. So my husband um, stayed with me about 50, 60 deals. And then we realized this is not working because I was like his boss. Hey, did you get that? Did you fax that? Did you? And it's like, mm, that's not good. So we hired um, Kelly Boyette, who was an, a rock star assistant. And she pretty much did even the, the uh, negotiations on the back end for um, inspections and things like that. So I could go and be good at, you know, just talking to people. So I had Kevin as the field manager. He would do all of our signs. He would do all of our bookkeeping, um, payroll, things like that. And then Kelly was my assistant. So it really worked out well. Um, and, you know, and when you get to 130 transactions, Mike, I was always so driven by the recognition and numbers. And I remember um, a week ago, I took one of my notebooks out for my team and I said, look at this, look at my goals. And it said to become a top 50 agent in the market. You know, I was always wanting to get from, you know, number 195 to number one, if I could, right? And so um, the recognition of building something was exciting because my coach would say that, could you imagine you come to a new market and you're a top 10 agent? And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. So she gave me the carrot. Um, but you get to 130 deals and you realize you can't scale without people. At some point, you need other humans to help get you, you know, to where you want to go. And so we, although I was earning, you know, at that time, it was probably $8,000 a commission check. We had earned, you know, that million dollar mark in GCI. Um, I just, I, I found that I was overworked and I was missing out on family time. I was attached to my phone. Um, it, I wasn't having fun. That was the reality. I wasn't having fun anymore. So. And I can appreciate that. And we're going to go to the solution that you had, but I want to, I just want to focus on some numbers for people, because as you mentioned, you surround yourself with people to do a lot of things. Your mind starts to open up. So it yeah. sounds to me like you hit somewhere around maybe 30, some transactions by yourself when you were doing everything, you got up to about 50, 60 when you have one admin assistant. And then Correct. by just adding one more admin assistant, you were able to explode all the way up to 130. Now, I realize you were off the rails going crazy seven days a week, but yes. I still want people to get the idea that you can do some crazy numbers as a yeah. solo agent if you chose to do so. Correct. Yeah. I mean, if you want to exchange all of your time for money, you can do it. I mean, it. I exchange. I remember nights I was driving home at eight o'clock at night just crying because my son was already in bed. I'd miss dinner, you know, but the drive in you of building something, you know, and showing your family that, you know, we could have what others, you know, portray to have. They look so happy over there in their fancy houses and cars and stuff. And, and you just want to get there and, and achieve it, especially being a college dropout, right? I mean, I didn't have a, you know, anything to fall back on. It was this or bust. And I knew at the time I was so blessed to be earning more than, 
you know, some doctors and attorneys and these guys gave their lives to education and I could just come in and, you know, do this. Like it's almost unfair. Right. But it's a high stress mental game business. That's really what it is, you know? So, um, so I did give up a lot for that. I understand. One more question there. When you were the solo agent, you had two admins, you hit the 130, the crazy year. Yeah. Just from the business perspective, though, and the numbers, I must assume that that was probably one of your highest profit years ever as far as a percentage of your gross revenue. Without a doubt. The, the bigger you build the team, there goes your profit, right? You got you to split it all. You're, you're, you're adding to overhead. You're putting people in place to give you time freedom. So you're, you're, you're literally buying back your time, right? You're trading, so you making a trade-off. Yeah. Do you recall the percentage or how high the net was as far as you know, how much you were bringing home versus how much was coming yeah. in when you were doing everything yourself in those solo agent years? Yeah. So I remember at the time, because I, I would talk about it with my coach, you know, Mike Ferry agents typically are really profitable, right? Because we, we don't have, we don't do advertising. We don't do, uh, you know, gifts. I mean, even Mike convinced me I shouldn't buy gifts, which I do now, but it was like so lean and mean, right? And so um, I probably was at a 60%, you know, 58, 60, 62% at the time um, because we could keep most of the money. You know, we, I was the one earning it. So I was self-employed basically at a high income level. Um, so it was great. And, and really we, build, we built most of our wealth during those years, those first five, six years, because we could save a lot. You know, we bought a lake house that's gone up in value. We have cars that are paid for. So we earned a lot of that. And then, you know, went down the, the team route when I was unhappy. So based on the numbers, and um, again, I'm about to wrap up this section, but it's really, you're, you're a unique person that you did this. There are a few like you, but not a lot of people out there that did this. So it sounds to me like you were taking home somewhere around fifty, sixty, seventy thousand $70,000 a month in profit, but eventually that, it, there was too much stress to continue down that path. Now, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television, where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search RealGTV. That's R-E-A-L-G dot TV. Now, back to the show. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, at the end of the day, you, you just look back. And I still have mom guilt today. And I ask my son all the time, like, do you remember when you were four and five and six and I used to pick you up from daycare late? And he's like, mom, no, I don't remember. But I remember. So for me, it's that... I gave up the, that time with my kid, you know, and so it'll bring me to tears if I talk about it. But, but the reality is, the other thing, though, is he knows how much I sacrificed, what I built for our family, and we put ourselves on the path of success. And now it really put me in a seat where I can help others. And so you have to put the life jacket on first, help yourself first, and then help the people around you. So if I didn't make it, how could I be this giving person today where I'm you know, I've retired both of my parents today. Like I couldn't do that if I didn't make the sacrifice. So. And my guess is your son has now seen that model and he now has a model if that's something that he aspires to for how to make that work. So I think a lot of things were probably happening in the background that we're not going into and won't go into on this call. Yeah, but let's it, hope it was a good model for him as far as ambition and success. 
Yeah, let's hope. I mean, he could also, you know, he's the type of kid you ask him, what do you want for Christmas? He's like, I don't know. I can't think of anything. Uh, that's a problem. <laughs> if I would have had a book this big, you asked me as a 13-year-old, what do you want? I'm like, I want this and this and this. So, I mean, but, you know, looking back too, we grew up in lack, right? We didn't grow up in abundance. And so I also think to have an abundant mind as a child, that's actually a gift um, to know that things can come easier. I mean, you still have to put in the work, but I, I'm still trying to figure out, we'll see how, how that works out for me and him. <laughs> this is fantastic. Well, I want to do this. I know we've been going down the path of filling in the, the story. I want to hit some quick information about where you are today and where you've been just recently by going through a quick stat list, by giving some right. people some numbers. They know I love numbers, so we're going to kind of roll through them real quick. And uh, let me pull that up. I'm going to ask you a couple fast questions. This is our speed round. So just sure. give a fast answer and we'll keep rolling. The first question is, what's the name of your team? If somebody wants to look you up, what's the name of your team? So we're um, at Call Group on Instagram and Call Group Residential is our formal name. Call Group Residential. And what is your service area? If somebody wants to know, maybe they want to send you a referral, where are you working? Sure. So we're in the Raleigh-Durham area, the Triangle area of North Carolina. Excellent. And that's, that's Raleigh, Durham, and maybe Chapel, Chapel Hill, that's the triangle? Yeah, we're, we're adding 70 new people a day are moving here, Mike. So we're getting all the Northeasterners and <laughs> from California. Come on down. It's a beautiful place. My family on my mom's side is from North Carolina. It's gorgeous. So I'm really wow. jealous that you're there. So how long have you been licensed? What year did you start? Uh, 2001, September 11th was my, my first day in real estate of 2001. Wow, that's a good day. Uh, that's easy to remember. Um, yeah. How many homes did you sell last year and what was the volume? Uh, let's see. Last year we did 262. Um, we were 101 million in, about 101 million in volume. That is fantastic. Do you recall what the GCI was? Uh, it was about two and a half million. That is fantastic. And how many, uh, this year, year to date, how many homes have you sold and what's the volume? So this year, we're right roughly uh, around 362, it looks like. Uh, we're going to end right around 119 million in volume. About three and a half million. <laughs> that is spectacular. And do you know what the, the GCI has been so far? Yeah, so we're right around 3.15, it looks like. That is great. I don't, I don't like numbers, Mike. But <laughs> and thank you. We, we prepared this, right? We prepared this yeah. for everybody yeah. up front. Um, yeah. But I want to run through them. We're almost to the end. I just want to give people that like numbers kind of a big picture, yeah. something to grab into. Yeah. Uh, what is your average sales price? Average sale price in our market is three ninety five. About three ninety five, just under four hundred. And last year, actually, let's talk about this year. What percentage of your sales are buyers versus sellers? So I want to say, let's see where we got that little number here. I know we wrote it down. We're I've like got seventy-two percent buyers and twenty-eight percent sellers. Sound about right? Seventy thirty, yeah. Because when I was in, so I'm out of production now. But when we were in production, it was it was more because I was doing the bulk of the listings. So yes, seventy thirty split right now. Thirty uh, percent listings. Oh, this is fantastic! And I have that lifetime. You you've sold about seventeen hundred homes and just yeah. under a billion dollars. Sound about correct? Yes. That sounds right. <laughs> that is crazy. That is crazy. And you also mentioned another question I have is whether you're in current production. You said no. How long have you been out of production? 
So last year I sold about 120 homes, 130 myself again. So I was running the team at that same level. Um, I had more help, of course. So I had even people negotiating contracts and things like that. But this year I did about 40, but three months ago, I, I, I'm done. I'm out. I wanted to make sure that I exited very profitably uh, because the hard part is when you exit and, and things could go you know, astray, you got to come back. And I didn't want to come back you know, into production. So, yeah. Very nice. Well, that's all I want to do now. I want to I jump into the team side because people always wonder how you structure these things where you could step out of production, create a yeah. sixth or seventh level business. So let's talk about your team. Uh, the first question is the structure of the team. Could you tell me uh, who's on your team and what I'm talking about is positions, how many people are in each of those positions, what the position is responsible for. Let's, let's yeah. take a quick kind of org chart look. Yeah, so I, I still keep it pretty lean and mean. So I'm the, the visionary, I guess, at the top, the team leader, if you will. I've got one operations manager who wears a couple different hats. So she was also the sales trainer and the operations manager. Um, we've since now are interviewing for a sales trainer to help her uh, with that role. We have two uh, licensed uh, TCs, so one for closings, one for listings, and then they each have a virtual assistant. Uh, so four admin there. And then we have one onboarding angel. So we have this gal that is like the, the team mom. She onboards the agents to our team and, and our expansion teams. And she does everything for everyone. <laughs> She's our angel. So that's the admin side. How many agents do you have? Oh, so we have um, now we have ten, uh, 11 agents total. Uh, 12, I lied. We have 12. We just hired two more. So 12 total buyer agents, or actually they can do both sides now. Um, I allow them to do both. And then my husband is still kind of in the background, does a lot of our marketing. Uh, he creates our flyers, does all the online lead gen, things like that. Well, that is fantastic. So you've been in the business just under 20 years. Now you've been able to build up this sixth, seventh level business. Are yeah. you... And this sounds like the transition year. Have you, at this point at the end of the year, have you been able to step out? Can you walk away from the business for a month and it'll keep going? Where are you oh, at? Yeah. yeah. So even last year, even though I was still in production, um, we, we left and went to Europe for 20 days and we came back and they had sold like 30 homes. So yeah, now I can absolutely know that I can, I could go to Europe for a month if I wanted to, and they're still going to sell 40, 50 homes a month. So yeah, that's, that's a blessing. I, I really like how you built your team, by the way, where you brought in admin first. A lot of people make the mistake of bringing in salespeople first because they want the, the revenue, uh, right. but you were leveraging yourself up first. And just want to point that out. That was a really good move. Yeah. Um, something that people ask when they're trying to build a team, whether it's their very first assistant or their third or fifth or seventh, wherever they're at, is they're worried that they're not doing their compensation properly with their buyer agents, with their team agents. Could you describe real quickly how you've structured that to make it uh, motivating for people, but not pay so much that you're not profitable? Yeah, I know. Um, I always, you know, interviewed other agents and team leaders, um, you know, and I would call and say, what do you pay? What do you pay? And they just tell me. And so the ones that were paying these 70-30 splits were not very profitable. We've always been 50-50. Um, we didn't even pay more for sphere because I figured, you know what, if you have that much sphere, you shouldn't be on a team. Um, and so if I'm going to hand you my sphere and then you're going to hand me yours back, we're going to do this together. So yeah, we are very clean 50, 50 splits, um, across the board. 
So it certainly they, simplifies things when you don't give a premium for where the source of the business was. Uh, do you pay the same on the listing side as well as the buyer side? So no. So the, the listing side is 35%. So they do get paid 35%. There are some agents that don't list on our team. And if they give a referral to um, the team or another agent, they, they get rewarded with uh, 15%, I believe it is, just for like a referral. Maybe it's 20 now, but 20% um, to refer that over. So yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for walking uh, down that path with me. I'd like to switch gears again now and go into marketing and lead generation, how you're getting all this business that's closing. Uh, we, of course, talked uh, a little bit through email before this call. And so I happen to know that a big portion of your business, almost half, about 48% is coming from Zillow. And yeah. so I'd like to walk down that path and talk to you about Zillow. How are you getting so much business from Zillow? Yeah, so when you think about it, so our team has transitioned. When I was at the helm, most of my business, so 35% of the business was expired FISBO because I was making the calls. 35% was past client repeat business. And then the rest was sign calls, open houses, all that stuff. So it was like a 30, 30, 30. Then when we started to transition to let's start this team and scale it, um, we, I had, I had been a part of Zillow since 2014 before Zillow was even cool. And I wanted those reviews. So I luckily was getting reviews on Zillow. So I was a partner with them for a long time before they were like the number one most talked about hated source of leads ever. But the reality is for us, it, it grew, you know, you started spending a thousand a month with them and you saw the ROI, then it's 2000, then it's 10,000. Luckily for me, our, our lender partners, um, you know, they, am I allowed to say what they pay? Mike. Sure, go right ahead. Yeah, yeah. I mean, our lender partners pay ten thousand a month for those leads, and then we match. Um, and the and the ROI is huge. I mean, you know, we do make a good ROI on on those leads. So so yes, we are Zillow heavy. But here's the difference, though: our team still comes in and prospects. I don't make them because they service a lot of the Zillow leads. But if if anything were to happen and that lead source went away, I am a hundred percent confident that our team could get right back in there and get on the phones and, and generate. Um, so it's sort of like my son, he's, he's able to have all these wonderful things because I was successful. The team is successful and we're allowed to give you the premium leads. So you're going to get on easy street for a while, but if things go sideways, guess what? We're all going back to boots on the ground again. So. <laughs> right. We're all going back to the basics. So um, a couple quick things real fast and, and you, yeah. you, I hesitated for a minute, and so I just want to clarify for people, yeah. in order for having your lender or vendors participate in your marketing efforts, uh, you do have to walk through a process, talk to an attorney, get your broker involved, make sure you're meeting all the rules of RESPA, uh, right. and the money can't come to you. It's got to go directly to whoever's providing the leads, all these kind of rules. We're not going to go into all that other than to tell you there's a lot to think about and to make sure that you do it correctly. Tina yeah. obviously has. Uh, yeah. But just make sure that you do that with your attorney and walk through all those particulars. Agreed? Agreed. Yeah, yeah. It's Very a you good. know, it's a partnership. That's for sure. Very good. Thank you. Uh, there's a way to do this all correctly, and there's a way to do it wrong. So make sure that right. you talk to them and get it done yes. correctly. Yeah. Uh, let's move into though the Zillow itself and how those leads are coming and how somebody could capitalize on the concept. So, for instance, 
How are you getting the leads from Zillow? I've heard people put a profile up. I've heard they buy leads or they make sure that they're the premium listing agent on their own listings. They yeah. put their face in front of other people's listings. What are you doing to make sure those leads come into you? Yeah, so I mean, basically the way that it is, is very similar to buying realtor.com leads or any kind of leads that you buy, right? And so Zillow, basically you, you have a certain area, a zip code, let's say that you prefer to be in. And when people register on their site and they find homes, you know, that, that we all give them to find, um, they basically send those leads to our team. The, 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 the people at Zillow kind of scrub that person down, they get them prepped and they transfer a live call to our team. And then somebody, all of the agents are, um, you know, um, on a system of rotation, or I think it's speed to lead actually. It's whoever is there can answer it first. So they, they run and grab those leads and then they try to convert that, that customer. Well, you said that uh, Zillow is now scrubbing the leads and sending them over to you. Um, I think that's newer within the last couple of years. You've been with them a long time, right? In the old yeah. days, they kind of emailed it to you or texted it to you and it was kind of raw. And now they're yeah. cleaning it up before they send it to you. Is that correct? Yeah, so they used to just, yeah, forward you the lead. And, and most, of the, most of the feedback to Zillow was nobody called me, nobody followed up, which is true, right? I mean, I was actually getting hundreds of Zillow leads before I grew my team and I was just not responding. And so Zillow's customer service was, you know, tanking. And so they kind of are always trying to get the agents to do their job and really service these leads that come in so people will continue to use the platform. And so now when the leads come in, they have a service advisor there, whatever that says, yep, let me connect you to an agent. They get the little criteria they're looking for. The agent gets a text message after they're done with the call. The client gets a survey that says, how, how did the agent handle your call? So they're really trying to just step up customer service um, you know, so they can keep staying in business and having us feed the machine, right? <laughs> right. So it's kind of like a, an ISA that's now somebody else is paying for. They're, they're qualifying the lead. Are they qualifying the lead in some way? Are they asking really. them qualifying questions? No, not really. I mean, they're getting their name and their number and, you know, making sure they don't have an agent supposedly. But, you know, once we get the customer on the phone, it's still just a raw conversation. You know, you're starting back over to build rapport. A lot of times the good news is these clients want to see a home. So you're not calling some cold lead off the internet that's just registered for your site and they don't know you're going to be calling. These people are looking for an agent. They want to be connected and they want to go see a home. So, um, so that's why I think the ROI is there and, and the, the, um, the advantage is there to, to buy the leads, even though agents don't like to buy leads. Um, as long as the ROI is there, we'll continue to do it. What's, do you know what your conversion percentage is on these leads? You said they're high quality. Do you know what our conversion is? Is it 10%? Yeah, I would say 10. I was going to say hover 10%. About so. 10%. So 10 leads coming from Zillow, one's going to close. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's a pretty good ROI, depending on how much you're paying for them. Are you paying uh, per month a flat fee? Or I've heard that in some markets, Zillow is now doing a referral fee where they're charging a percentage of the final closeout. Yeah, so we're not doing the referral fee. We did not sign up for that. That's a flex program. We were actually looked at to be a flex partner and, and we did not do that because it's not as profitable for us. So um, I, I never want to give away more money than I have to. But no, we're just on a flat fee, uh, you know, $10,000, whatever you want to call it. 
And uh, then we buy the zip codes and the leads come in and they're ours to do whatever we want with once they're, once they're on our side. And you said the ROI is really good. Do you, have you crunched numbers at all? Do you have any idea, uh, hmm. like if, the, if you looked at it as a closed Zillow deal on average, what percentage of your commission is that costing you? Yeah, I think we, what was the number? We, my husband's here with me. It was like 225 investment. Was that right, dear? It was 225 investment, I believe. And it was like 1.2 million in, in, uh, in return. So perfect. It wasn't a bad investment. It was a good Not investment. bad at all. About a six yeah. to one, almost a six to one. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. Thank you for, for sharing that with us. Another quick question for you on Zillow. Uh, I heard a rumor that they're thinking about starting their own brokerage and people don't know what that means for agents. Have you heard anything about that and will that affect you? You know, they, they have their brokerage license because they have to have it, right? Um, it still doesn't affect me in a way because I there's just, they're closing such a small percentage of deals, just like Redfin. Redfin's kind of the same thing. So in my mind, I go, they Redfin's trying to hire agents to be hourly employees. I always tell my clients, do you feel like, like a Redfin agent? Do you think that's the top agent at their game joining a firm like that? Or do you think that's the bottom of the barrel? Like, who do you think goes to, to work for companies like this? I think it's going to be the same thing for Zillow. If they really try to expand, you're going to get a lot of hourly or flat fee agents. And they've been around, Mike. Forever. I mean, we've always had to deal with some sort of discounted program. Um, nothing really scares me as far as the industry in that way, because I think that if you're a good salesperson, you really come from contribution. You know how to lead the client through an emotionally draining transaction um, and get them to the other side you're going to win. There's always going to be competition. Everyone's trying to break into the real estate industry. Uh, corporate America is obviously. And so, so no, I mean, I, I'm prepared if, if things were to shift, we're prepared with a, a plan B, right? So, I mean, you always got to be prepared. Um, and so, no, I mean, today, we'll, if it's a good ROI, great, but I still don't think people, top agents are not going to flock to become Zillow agents. For Zillow, when you get those leads, could you uh, tell us what your initial script is when one of these Zillow leads comes in? If, if it was to come in right now, would you be able to answer the call? And what would you say? Yeah, so I don't train on it, but um, the biggest thing I think that we like to let the consumer know is, do you know why Zillow connected us? And they'll say no. Well, because we're actually, we say, we're the number one team in the area. We actually help 350 to 400 buyers just like you. So if you're putting a quarter, if you're about to invest a quarter of a million dollars or a half a million dollars on your investment, you probably should be with a really good advisor. So that's why Zillow connected us. So they, it immediately gives me the, the, the 30 second pitch to tell them why we're so great and then you know, why they should work with us. And then we really try to coach the buyers on, hey, sellers usually in interview two or three agents to list their home. Did you know that most, most buyers work with the first agent that they meet? Isn't that sad? Because most agents sell this many homes, four. So you're about to make a quarter of a million dollar investment on an, with an agent that's done it a handful of times. So we really try to push that we're seasoned advisors. My agents sell 40 to 50 homes each, like they're good agents. So, um, so that's really what we're trying to do is set the, the tone on the call that Zillow connected us because we're amazing. <laughs> that's excellent. And if somebody was listening and you're new or you're not producing at those levels, keep in yeah. mind, you can, you can lean on your broker and whatever their stats are to show yeah. that you have resources to help with this transaction. 
And yeah. also I'll point out that the public doesn't know that 300 transactions is good or four is good or they anything until yeah. you put it in perspective for them. Exactly. And you know, and if you're a brand new agent, you can flip the script and kind of say, you know, I'm not, I'm going to actually, I only take five clients a month. I only have time for five clients a month. You're not going to be one of those numbers on one of those big producing teams that talk about selling three, 400 homes. I mean, who wants to be a number? You know, so I mean, it's just how you, I used to do that when I was the single agent, right? I had to, to show them the value of being with a single agent versus a top agent on a team, you know, so so I've been in every facet of trying to sell my own services to these clients. Tina, that was excellent. Thank you so much. Um, Tina, if you were going to advise a brand new agent who is just getting in the business, what would you tell them to do first? Um, for me, it's, it's learning the skill of, of duplication. So, you know, most agents do this with their business. They're on a roller coaster and they don't know where the business is coming from they allow the day to happen to them. And I think a lot of agents are trying to go out there on social media, which is great. Um, we've added that into our business, but you can't duplicate the result. So I knew every day when I got into my office, I could make $10,000 every single day if I wanted to, because I knew that I could get on the phones, get in front of people I didn't know, which the database of people you don't know is bigger than the database of people you do know. And I could just exercise every day of picking up the phone and making 20 human contacts and, and also create the mindset of you're going to get no's. You're actually a no hunter. You're digging for gold, right? And so, um, so they have to really build that muscle of the, the getting over the rejection piece. It's not personal. My son rejects me every day. Do the dishes. No, I don't go cry, right? So, I mean, it's, it, it's that, that mental game of, you're an advisor, you have to hunt to build your business, you have to have a duplicatable system to succeed, um, and you have to learn scripts and dialogue. Now, I'm not saying be a robot, but I'm saying learn and understand how to lead the customer to the result that they ultimately need by learning the language of skills by other professionals, and then be yourself, right? Turn the script into you. Um, so I would definitely say get a schedule, learn scripts, and then be around big thinking uh, mentors, you know, people that will grab you by the arm and, and, and hold you accountable. That's excellent. Thank you. Tina, I, I don't want to miss a question that I, I think I almost forgot there. You mentioned your profitability when you were a solo agent. Now that yeah. you're doing this team and you're stepping out of production, what do you think your profitability is? What net profit are you shooting for? Yeah. So, um, so last year with me in the business, it was about 38%. This year, it's going to be hovering right around 25%. So that's where, you know, 25%. And then, but, uh, which is about a net of around 800,000. So we'll, we'll net 800. And then I've got our expansion now model um, where, thank God, um, I've never been to a million in, in, in net profit. I wanted a million net. And so this year is the first year we'll hit a million net. So Yay. <laughs> that is fantastic. Yeah. Congratulations. That is awesome. That yes. is awesome. That is inspiring as well for people to keep shooting. Um, yeah. Tina, why do you think you've been so successful? Um, you know, I, I think that I've always, Mike, been a student, you know, and I'm not, I don't know it all today. Um, I don't have the big ego where I have to, you know, I don't know, just 
run my number. Like I don't need to sell a thousand homes. I just need to be profitable. I need to know now what I don't like doing and then hire people to do the things I don't like to do. Um, but really if I could pick one thing, it's, it's being a student of my craft. I know, I knew who the players were not only in my town, but around the nation. I listened to podcasts every single day, every little nugget I could pull out of a podcast. I was writing it down. Then I was calling that person. Hey, I listened to this pod. I've been listening to your podcast for, for years, calling probably half the people on there. Um, and so I think that's it. It's just see being a seeker of the information. Somebody failed faster and harder and can help you just not do what you're about to do. Just go ask, you know, I'm about to grow a team. What did you do that wasn't working? You know, I, I interviewed a lot of team leaders before I grew my team and I interviewed one and she said, I built it so fast. I didn't have the right culture. 15 of them left me overnight and I had to go back into production. Ouch. Ouch. So, so yeah, I think it's just being a student. I think a student of the craft and always learning and, and watching videos or podcasts. Excellent. Well, Tina, I've come to the end of my questions for today. Do you have any parting thoughts for the listeners? You know, I think, um, I, I think just embrace the journey, you know, things, my, my goals have changed through the years. Um, I would go to conferences, I would pick up a couple nuggets, I would go back and I would implement two things, not a hundred, just implement two things per year that are going to change your business. And so I think that, you know, in 20 years, I went from an individual mindset to, gosh, if you want to build something big, you got to do it with people. But then, oh my God, I have to now be one of those people they call leaders. What do those people do, right? So now my whole journey is um, getting over my fear of public speaking. I used to be mortified if I had to speak in front of a team, even my own team. So, um, so pushing yourself through um, your character flaws to, to be a better person. And then at the end of the day, I think, um, you know, truly being profitable, saving your money and learning how to invest it. Um, so you can have a really big life after the end of this, you know, because at some point you're not going to be able to sell hundreds of homes every year for forever. So that's it. <laughs> Tina, that was fantastic. Thank you so much for coming in and talking with us on Success Calls. You are so welcome. Thanks for having me, Mike. Uh, thank you, Tina. Well, that's it for now. Thanks for joining us on Success Calls. Keep moving forward. Bye. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment. I read them all, and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television, and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal, demonstrate, and discuss their best lead generation methods. Visit RealGTV, R-E-A-L-G dot TV. If you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage, check out my masterclass webinar titled Top 5 Free Lead Sources for Real Estate Agents. Learn more at FreeLeadTime.com. That's FreeLeadTime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward. You've been listening to Success Calls on the Mastermind Agent Network. 
where top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com.